Hello, and welcome back to Socially Distance, the special Mando and Music edition. We are on chapter 11 of our episodic countdown review uh, panel series. I don't know what you want to call it. Bill, what, what, what can we call this? I don't know. You're... You're starting us off great, brother. Uh, th- this is a, a special limited series. A uh, mm-hmm. It's a show within a show. We're putting a hat on a hat. Uh, so this is episode 35. And uh, yeah, if you divide next week, we'll be doing this, I guess, for nine months, which is kind of wild. Wow. Well, I mean, if you do 36 divided by four, it's nine. So roughly nine months. Uh, went to school for journalism, not math. It's uh, very true. Uh, so yeah, hey, Bill Bodkin here, huh? reluct- not the non-reluctant editor of thepopbreak.com. Um, yes, and, I'll let uh, you- I'm, Al- I'm Al Manorino, the uh, managing editor of thepopbreak.com. I know, I know, we I kind of butchered the intro, but I did. I told time, him five minutes before this thing started, he was hosting. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, I'm just in like a better place now mentally, so I'm not like I don't know aggressive in the 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 uh, introduction as much. All right, I'll be aggressive. So, joining us for the third straight week, no one can see the fact, I'll do it in in Glorious Bastard style. Third straight week. Um, This is the German three. The German three. Uh, Ken Grandpierre rejoins the podcast to talk all things Star Wars and laugh hysterically at the stupidity of Alan I. Ken, Mm -hmm. welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. And I, I, oh, I was going to say, I, I just wanted to talk about Ken for two seconds. Then we'll get into our next guest, uh, also we, a returning who, guest. Who we have to put over. Uh, very, very much so. Yes. Uh, no, it's just I love having Ken on because, as Ken just said right before we started recording, that we would see each other. Like, we wouldn't, like, hang out. We would always see each other in passing at shows. And sometimes we would have the, uh, the, the wherewithal to say like, Hey, are you shooting the same show tonight? But most of the time it's like, Oh, Ken's here. So it's good to actually see him on a weekly basis. I have talked yeah. to Ken more times than I have most of my relatives this year. That's right. <laughs> and rejoining same, same us from her last time on the, the podcast was episode six. I don't even know what we talked about in episode six, but it was episode six. Was it Quibi? Mm, maybe. Probably. Maybe it was HBO Max. It may have been HBO Max. Oh, maybe. Uh, it is the comic book and anime editor of thepopbreak.com, Rachel Freeman. Welcome back. Hello. I feel like I should have waited and asked you to be on knowing now that I was on episode six and this is episode 35. I feel like I should have waited a week to make it like exactly 30 episodes later. And now I'm like missed opportunity. Also would have been divisible by six too. Mm, Yeah. Divisible. What a word. What a word. (laughs) What a word. Well, as, as I previously mentioned, uh, this is the uh, third installment of our Mando and music series where we're, we are reviewing, every episode of season two of the Mandalorian. And we are kind of ending each conversation with just a a music recommendation, uh, which is part of our normal scheduled programming. And uh, it's been fun doing that because uh, I think ever since the pandemic started, my music listening habits have been so 
weird and strange. And I don't even know if I've been listening to as much music during the pandemic as I do normally. It's been mostly like I mean, you've podcasts. recommended Phoenix like 10 times already, man. And I mean, it's the I mean, same I, couple songs. Too. Yeah, so it's not like crazy. It's like my music hap- listening is so weird. It's not like you're all of a sudden listening to The Grateful Dead. I mean, like you're no, listening to the same it's, bands. It's, my my music listening habits have changed. I'm, I'm not listening to as much music anymore because usually my listening uh, habits would be dictated by the concerts that I was going to mm. or getting ready for and like things and music festivals and things like that. But now it's changed drastically. Uh, I've been kind of absorbing more just, uh, you know, streaming and, and podcasts. So uh, like the one that you're listening to right now, which uh, has a 29 year old just rambling nonsense. Ken, it looks like so we're also doing this on video just for our own sake and purposes. Behind your shoulder, it looks like there's a flaming hot Cheeto right behind you. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like if you move a certain way over your other shoulder, it just looks there's something red. I'm just like, is that just a giant flaming hot Cheeto? Yeah, that's – yeah, right there. Oh, it's a bike. I think it's a bike. Yeah, it is a bike. That is hysterical. It is the handle of a bike, which is doubly funny because I have the Death Star 2 exploding behind me. So it's just an amalgamation of weirdness. This has now become a hot one spot stand that would podcast. Be, <laughs> to be fair, that would be a great flaming Hot Cheetos commercial if it was a flaming Hot Cheeto that blew up the Death Star. <laughs> I was going to say, it blew up the Death Star and it was all just flaming Hot it Cheetos. It was all just flaming Hot Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. Okay, before we start the podcast, I have to ask this question. Since we're talking about these flaming Hot Cheetos, I have tried them during uh, this time of quarantine. Have you guys tried them, and are they as hot as everyone else? Everyone makes them out to be. Rachel, I'm gonna start with you. It depends. So, oh, this is a serious <laughs> question, Ken. <laughs> so, it's funny you say that because I actually just ate some at work the other day, and I was like, "Oh, flaming hot Cheetos!" Like, I like those. I remember eating those before. But uh, I found that if I eat too many at once. You turn into fire. They are actually, like, pretty hot. But if you just eat them, like, casually, like, one or two at a time, it's not so bad. But, yeah, you get, like, a whole bunch and shove them in. It's game over. It's it's hiccup time for me. It's hiccup time for me. That would be the name of this episode (laughs) if we were talking about the Mandalorian. Uh, Ken, you've been laughing the whole time I've asked this question, so how about you? I have indulged in uh, Flaming Hot Cheetos before, and funnily enough, I feel like what offsets the heat is just the insane abundance of sodium in them. So I think any time I've eaten them, the pure shock of salt has like almost rendered me kind of uh, useless before I indulge in like the heat aspect. But yeah, they do tend to be pretty hot. I'll be honest about that. Al, I mean, I, I know you do love uh, a hot thing here and there, so odd sentence. But, yes. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me preempt this by saying this is why you should never host anything because we were talking about fucking flaming hot Cheetos. Well, first of all, you, you have talked to me. Any podcast you ever hear me on, ever, I have so many tangents that I can you go did. on. This is my gimmick. I tan- That's true. I'm very tangential. And I, right. I feel like we're loosening things up, you know, getting Star Wars ready. Dive into the deep stuff. Let's talk a little Cheetos first. I mean, and you're also um, you're also avoiding the question as you often do. Well, because <laughs> you're not going to like the answer. Is I don't uh, care what your answer is. Just fuck, answer it. Fuck flaming hot Cheetos. Sure. Um, because because aggressive. I, well, because yeah, yeah. He like how we said I'm not going to be aggressive on this podcast. What so happened? aggressive. Uh, what happened? What Who happened? hurt you? 
Who hurt? hurt? Yeah, what Cheeto? What <laughs> Cheeto did it? What did Cheeto Chester, Chester Cheeto hurt you? <laughs> I don't want. Listen, I don't like to talk about him. We have a whole restraining order thing going. Uh, no, I never was a fan of hot in the sense that, like, I don't understand what people get from that. Like, I get spice. I get that kind of taste. I don't like to eat something that is just hot for the sake of hot. Like, I don't go out and get buffalo wings. I get something like uh, uh, like a sweet chili or a teriyaki or mostly a honey barbecue because I like taste when it comes to my food. Hot for the sake of hot is just nonsense. I don't get it. No one's ever explained to me why they like enjoy it. I'll have to have I'll have to have Bryant answer that question because he eats some insane like habanero everything Carolina Reaper oh, stuff where I heard that's insane. He'll be like he'll be like try this try this hot sauce Rachel it's not that hot and then I try it and then I chug so much water and I'm like <laughs> your eye goes bloodshot immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I am. So. I'm also not a flaming hot Cheeto guy. If to me, I go with the uh, Doritos sweet Thai chili, which is just the, oh, the stuff of choice. the gods. I remember the moment you tried them. Yeah, Logan's bachelor party. <laughs> Logan Fowler, never be on, who might be on this podcast? No, probably not. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Uh, but yeah, had it there. I ate like a whole bag. Should not have done that. Also, had a lot to drink that day. But regardless, Al, I think it's time for us to get into the opening scroll. Cue awesome music that Lucas will put in here. Um, Which he did not do last episode. He told me I, he had all these audio cues. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I listened so, to the whole episode. I'm like, where are they? Now, now, now he has to do it because I said it. Oh, um, I should have written that time down. The Mandalorian, Chapter 11, The Heiress. The Razor Crest has been severely damaged uh, after the events of Chapter 10. And if finally, I don't know, God, how lands on the moon of Trask, uh, where the frog lady is reunited with her husband, and uh, the husband is able to direct the Mandalorian uh, to an inn where he has seen other Mandalorians. Um, he they end up on a basically a space pirate boat of some sort, and um, basically Mando gets betrayed as always. And for some reason, people think that they can defeat him, even when it's a huge group. I don't know the the, the gall that people have that they can uh, defeat Mando in any way. But they put the child at risk again, which we will talk about in depth later on. Um, but he is rescued by a crew of Mandalorians uh, led by Bo-Katan. Hopefully I said that right, uh, Mr. Ken. And uh, he has teammates, Koska Reeves and Axe Wooves. Wooves? We'll get to that later. Um, and uh, they basically do something that's pretty unexpected for uh, Mr. Mando, and they take off their helmets. And they basically say to him that he uh, that his tribe is like a religious, uh, a, like super, super, um, what was zealot. it? Like, zealot, thank you, religious uh, religion, where they take things to a, a very ancient way of, of the Mandalore. Um, and he's not a big fan of that. And Later, you find out that they, uh, they 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 come to an agreement where um, they will get him and the child to the Jedi, his people, um, if they help him um, get weapons from a uh, Empire vessel. And again, 
we're going to get into more detail of all of these things. Oh, yes, uh, it's we basically will. A, a cargo ship filled with um, filled with uh, firepower. Um, they uh, Bo-Katan basically doesn't betray him, but says, um, you know, we want to take the whole ship and we want to be able to uh, she wants to go find the dark saber that is being held by Mr. Moff Gideon. Um, they end up taking the ship and we get one of the coolest moments so far of the entire series, something we knew that was going to happen anyway. Uh, but Bo-Katan tells Mr. Mando that uh, there is a Jedi named Ahsoka Tano um, who will be able to help you. Um, that is the gist uh, of what happens in this episode. But again, we are going to go into much, much more detail. Uh, man, I love this episode. And I butchered that, too. Like, there was so much fun stuff. And we're going to talk about it um, in, in, in great detail right about now uh, in our second segment. The Force is strong with this one. Dun, dun, dun. I thought it was supposed to be more like the Force is strong with this one, like question oh, mark. The Force is strong is with this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. You gotta get the you gotta get the inflection. I, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, no. I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm <laughs> God damn it! If you put the question mark, he's gonna read it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. So uh, obviously we got some. Uh, Pretty huge, huge guest stars in this. Uh, let's start with the uh, the biggest one, uh, Bo-Katan, who is played by uh, Katie Sackoff, who I mistakenly said was Trisha Helfer. And Bill told me, no, it's Katie Sackoff, you idiot. And I'm like, you know what? They are all blonde Battlestar Galactians, and I'm going to get them confused. How the, dare you, sir? What the frack? How dare you? I know. What the uh, how, frack indeed. What the frack. Um, yeah, we had a, a ton of guest stars in this, but I definitely want to start off with uh, Katie Sackhoff because uh, what an important character from the, the Clone Wars, which Ken can hopefully get into some detail about and maybe shine some light for us of why this is such a cool character to add into the Mandalorian. Um, yeah, let's start with Ken. That, that's the exact question I have for you is uh, just give, give us a little background on Bo-Katan and, and uh, were you happy about the adaptation? So what's pretty interesting about Bo-Katan is that she has had character evolution that's been very prominent in regards to Clone Wars in a way that's almost similar to, I would say, like a Marvel film and how you would watch several Marvel films and see a character evolve. And then by the time you see them in one of like the big tent poles, it's kind of like they're a very realized character. Um, the reason the episode's called the Harris is because her sister used to be the essentially the queen of Mandalore. And her sister, Bo-Katan and her sister used to butt heads because her sister thought Mandalorians should seek becoming pacifists and being peaceful, while Bo-Katan was always about the warrior element being more prominent. And then, um, essentially, I mean, should I go into spoilers, like light spoilers? Or, I guess it should go Well, do you think that the spoilers that you're going to mention are going to be reflected in the show? Yes. Hmm. That's a build. build, do, build. You, do you think they're going to be reflected in the show? Some of those. Oh, because because uh, I know Rachel. Because I was like Rachel knows about the Clone Wars. I bet you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I know. Think... Well, I know a little bit about this character. So I I was wondering what what details you were going to say because I I was 
I'll say spoiler. To explain why, yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. Spoiler potential. Uh, I, like I feel like you should explain that, like, maybe that ending part. I'll, I will say, it. I'll let me let me do the uh, the dad thing. Hey, if you don't want to be spoiled <laughs> by anything, maybe just hit that uh, you know fast forward button about three minutes. Wow, yeah, roughly, maybe Aggressive. even less. Maybe I was going to say like a minute. <laughs> well, Listen, it's just going to be my bullshit and, and for like an hour, a minute thirty. So don't worry about it. That's true. Well, what's really insane with uh, Bo-Katan in the context of the show, she mentions how she wants to retake Mandalore. In the Clone Wars series, at the very end, you see that take place, the central fall of Mandalore. And what happens with that is it's a mixture between uh, devout um, Mandalore cultists who are similar to the watch that she mentions to uh, Din Djarin, our main character, and also Darth Maul, who's becoming an intergalactic gangster at the time. And mm -hmm. when you see the fall of Mandalore happen, um, it happens in a way where it's almost ambiguous to the degree in which how much of Mandalore is occupied. And they kind of mention that here in the show, how the Empire had it for a while, then abandoned it. So there's a lot of wickle room, which is interesting, but a lot of the reason Mandalore falls in the context of the series is because of actions Bo-Katan took and did not take over the course of the series. So mm -hmm. that's what I mean about character growth, which is very interesting. She's She starts out as a character who seems very assured, and then she makes a lot of mistakes and has a lot of wins. And over the course of it, she becomes a lot more gray and a lot more nuanced. And the way Katie Sackhoff composed herself in this episode is very true to that character, even though there's all these nuances and dualities. She's very goal-oriented. She's very mission-driven. She's very much like, I know what needs to be done. And yeah, I mean, I know I've talked loads just now, but I also want to add that um, I'm, I'm quite a big fan of Battlestar Galactica. Um, from there, that's how I became a fan of Katie Sackhoff. I want to say like roughly eight or nine years ago. So to see her in Star Wars, which she's been part of the Clone Wars already as Bo-Katan. So this is her essentially reprising her role, but in live action. And seeing how she handled it was just fucking great. Like, I, I'm a big Katie Sackhoff fan, so I kind of, like, exploded with glee when I saw her on my screen. That's awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they, you know, a lot. there was a lot of, um, I wouldn't say a lot, but there was some back, yeah, there, there was some fan hate to the casting of, of Ahsoka, which is, I always feel like I'm saying wrong, but in the sense that they had a pretty great act, uh, actress and uh, kind of nerd icon voice her for years, um, which is, uh, I, I always forget her name too. Uh, it's Ashley. Um, is anyone to jump in and, and from the from your Clone Wars fan, know the girl who voices Ahsoka? I think it's Eccleston or Eccleston. Yes. Yes. So, and she also is the uh, founder of her universe, the uh, clothing brand. Uh, huh? for, Ashley Eckstein. Eckstein. Yes. So, I, I know this because I take photos of the. I used to take photos of the her universe fashion show at Comic Con every year, which she was the host. So, regardless, I love that they are um, that they kept Katie Sackhoff, who is also a fantastic live action actress as well as a voice actor, um, and. She has the ability to take all of those years of character development and bring it, you know, super into the future, right? Because Clone Wars, we know, is very much in the past. So 
It's very cool. Um, so, Rachel, you're a fan of the Clone Wars as well. I'd love to get your take on, you know, we don't want to spend too much time on this section. So I will say, what did you think of um, Bo-Katan, but also uh, Koska and Axe as well? I thought I thought it was great. I was really, you know, excited to, um, because I hadn't, I actually just watched the episode today when we were recording. Um, and my, one of my best friends, um, he was like, he, he wanted to talk to me about it. And he was like, I can't tell you who's in the episode, but I'll tell you the actress. So I knew the actress in advance. And I was like, I like, did not make the connection though? Yeah. So I was like, who's she going to play in the episode? And then <laughs> I was like, duh. That's great. <laughs> um, but I, I was excited. I thought it was great. Um, I also, I think it's good you did a, a spoiler warning and all, but I also wanted to point out that, that like, Clone Wars is very accessible, so I don't think it's fair for anybody to get mad at spoilers when you could literally have already watched it. It's on <laughs> Disney Plus. It's very on true. Disney Plus. You had, um, you had months to do it. Yeah. Um, I also. That's kind of one of the things that I love about The Mandalorian, though, is that, like, they do a good job of people who have watched other shows or read other books can get, like, that fan service. But, like, if you have never seen The Clone Wars and you watch that episode, you're still like, hell yeah, this person's awesome. And, like, you don't need they don't feel the need to do this. Like, by the way, here's a short tidbit of their history. Like <laughs> that was, that was such good, like narrator voice. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I loved it. I thought it was great. I was like, so excited to, I'm not, <laughs> I feel like this is kind of a lame comparison, Do it. but like it made, it made me really happy because when they were, when they were doing like all the fight scenes, I was like, I feel like I'm watching, mandalorians as power rangers and just like this yes, child yes. child inside me was so happy to see Love that oh, <laughs> that's awesome i remember but when yeah, it, it premiered on great. fox in 1994 and none of you were born it was great. <laughs> it was great time. i was a l- l- let's get this fucking out of the way i was three i was, I was also a- three Die Hard five. Power Rangers. Well, okay, fan. you were all like, okay, you, okay. So you're basically like this, the age of my kid or younger. So, but we I was in sixth grade. I was in sixth grade. One of my earliest memories of life is getting mad that the O.J. Simpson trial was taking over the television channel that Power Rangers was supposed to be on. It was every channel. It was every channel. By the way, one time I, I was stuck. I was stuck on a plane trying to go to Florida. And it was raining, and all we could watch on the plane for hours was the goddamn O.J. Simpson trial, <laughs> a memory I have suppressed for 24 years. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, thanks. Um, Al, I'm just going to jump in next because I think I can no, talk about what— I know. I, want, I wanted to set it up. Mother I was specifically, Fletcher. I was, I was specifically going to set it up that, Bill, we got our first— Wrestling cameo. Yep. In uh, the Star Wars, uh, well, in Mandalorian, I don't know about the Star Wars as a whole, but uh, I had yeah. to. Say, I'm like, I'm like, who the hell is Mercedes Vernada? Oh, I got it. So let's talk about uh, the wonderful Sasha Banks. Well, I have to say this because uh, future guest on this podcast, Rob Crowther, would be mad if I didn't say it. It's boss time. It's the boss, Sasha Banks. Uh, it was announced a long time ago. 
in the world of wrestling that she would be in the Mandalorian, but no one knew what uh, role she'd be playing. And um, we, I think a lot of people assumed, ah, it's just going to be like a quick cameo, one and done type deal. Um, well, I don't know about that. Because like, I'm wondering if we're going to see all three of these characters come back, much like Timothy Oliphant, later in this season slash series. Like, I'm very intrigued where we're going to take this. Um, you know, I was a, I, my daughter, Sophie, we watched this episode twice. Uh, she said, can we please play the Sasha Banks episode again? Because she knows who that is because she likes girls wrestling. She's five, so she can say girls wrestling. And um, I like the fact that Sasha Banks uh, threw a drop kick in this one. And it was a very patented, inverted kind of Sasha Banks-esque drop kick. But I was, it was, it, I was very tickled that two worlds that I have been a fan of since I was a small child kind of came colliding together. It was a very cool moment for me. And to be able to share that with uh, my crazy-haired little one um, was definitely a cool dad moment for me. So I was very stoked about that. I didn't. I don't know Katie Sackhoff very well. I did not watch Battlestar Galactica, nor do I know um, Simon Cassianetti's, who I guess was on Agents of Shield. I don't know him very well, but I thought like the three of them were great. He was um, the third uh, Mandalorian, and. Uh, I thought the three of them together were like an excellent trio and I would love to see more of them. And I think that's the one cool thing about this episode is like we could see, we want to see much like Timothy Oliphant. We want to see these people come back and we want to see them not just in like, you know, that DuckTales esque end of season, like all the good guys team together to beat the bad guy, but like in years to come, because this whole retaking of Mandalore, Feels very Doctor Who to me, because Mandalore kind of feels a little bit like Trenzalore, you know. And like, are we all, or are we going to have some sort of like reckoning on Mandalore? So I'm very excited for that. And uh, you know, I, it was very cool to see Sasha Banks like talking about it on Twitter, how she was like very emotional. The show came out on the day her like wrestling hero Eddie Guerrero actually passed away, and that episode came out. So she's like, that was always a dark day for her, for her to be her debut in the Star Wars universe, which she was already a huge fan of. was It's pr it's pretty cool. And she's looking to make a run in Hollywood, which I think this proved that she can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to say that I don't think this is the last that we're going to see. Of I hope these not. Three. Yeah, it's the, the introduction of them was so, so well done. Um, there will be one guest star that we will be a one and done, though. Oh yeah, I was gonna say we we could we could briefly talk about Mr. Bosch in Friggin a second. Titus Welliva from Tell Gone Baby Gone. Oh, I was gonna say from Goddamn Bosch, but well, yeah. he I, mean, I always loved him in Gone Baby Gone with his thick accent. But yeah, he was in yeah. the town. He was in Bosch, Gone Baby Gone, and a bazillion other things. He's been a great yeah. character actor forever. Yeah, I popped it's when funny. I saw him. Yeah, no, I said, I'm like, is that Bosch? <laughs> you literally that, texted that me. Yo, is that Bosch? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. Yes, well, uh, correct, sir. Talk about Bosch. the most Irish-looking Irish-American of all time. Uh -huh. Hi, I feel highly insulted by that, but okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dils, Dils talk about wearing... the second most Irish. American. I'm just wearing Irish a kilt right now. I mean, I I have one literally in my my closet over here. But yeah. yes, I'm wearing an Irish cap too, mostly because my hair is absolutely insane right now. 
No, uh, like, I, I think, I think it's it's something we should definitely uh, discuss because Ken brought it up. I think the first, the first episode, seeing the the length, seeing that the episode was uh, close to an hour, was like, oh man, we still have a lot of story left. This was the shortest one of the three so far, yeah. I believe. Uh, yeah, and, it was definitely the yeah, shortest. It was, only, it was only 35 minutes. And they packed 35 this minutes? Oh, they packed. They packed this episode with so much. But not, it never felt rushed. It never felt overwhelming. It was like these just great set pieces. And I, I kind of want to bring it up in this episode because it's not really uh, about the guest star, but it's more about the amazing phenomenal direction from Bryce Dallas Howard. Give now her a we Star Wars about... movie. Just give Seriously. it to her. Just give it to her. We... She she directed two of my favorite episodes. This one yeah. and what was it? Episode three of last year? Where we got the, so. the Caradoon yeah. episode. Like like you know, Hollywood, it's, so... it's time. Just it is time. Give her it's big so budget movies. She knows how to do it. Yeah. I hope you don't want to be cutting in. It's so oh, funny. No. I know I some cut people, people off all the time. <laughs> I know some people find uh, the first episode she directed in, like, you know, the previous season to be almost like a contentious thing. Like, there's some fans who dislike it. But that's actually my favorite episode of the whole series so far in the sense that, I mean, there is that action element with the A-T-S-T that happens in the end. But what I love about that episode is that you have this random village on a planet and it feels so lived in divorced from all the major events that happens in star wars and that's so special and you get some great character moments too with with mando and you know uh the potential almost potential love interest that he that he gets uh, where he at one point thinks that he can stay there forever and it and will kind be, of be so wild if we don't see that woman again at some point no that's so depressing oh but yeah like, like we forget that, about her but like we we all want her back <laughs> No, and like, yeah, go. Oh, okay. No, you're good. I was just gonna say that, like, I. What I liked about this episode, it was funny because my fiance and I were discussing this earlier because I was like, yeah, sometimes the episodes are kind of short, sometimes they're longer, but I never feel like they're too short or too long. Yeah. Like, I was like, yeah, it could be forty-five minutes, but like, what would you put in that extra ten minutes? Like you said, Al, everything went very smoothly and very perfectly. So it's like it ended up being 35 minutes and it was, and it was perfect. And like Ken said, with the, with the village that seems so lived in and separated, I loved this, like this, this fisherman town yes. where all of the creatures, all of the cr- creatures are like cthulhu and aquatic. And that's just the way it is there. And there's no, you know, we don't have to go in, into like, what are things called and what's the background? It's just very like, these are the kind of people that live here. This is the kind of town this is. And like, that's the setting. Um, that's the, one so, of the best things about Star Wars. Like, just to cut you off for a second. Like, oh no, you're good. And, like, no, I want I want you to continue to, but I just want to <laughs> emphasize. And I think Ken briefly talked about this last episode of the episode before. Of just like, that's what makes Star Wars Star Wars. Is we can fill a, a cantina with fifty different types of alien races, but we're not going to say, oh, that's this guy, that's this guy. Like, this. That's why this feels the way it feels. That's why there's such a big fandom. It's because of the intricacies of the, the way that George Lucas set this up initially, right? Like mm-hmm. this is otherworldly. We don't have to just like put a spotlight on these individual characters for 
for it just makes it feel real. When I watch Mando, I feel like this is happening somewhere else. That's how amazing the 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 work and the detail goes for the practical effects and all these different creatures and stuff. Like that's what makes it real to me. And that's why I, I think I enjoy it so much. I get lost in it. And that's what this is supposed to be. It's supposed to be entertainment. Like I really get lost in these shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I keep going. Sir. Uh, I mean, that was, that was, that was actually a perfect timing because like, that was pretty much the end of my, you were like, no, you were like, no, I'll let you keep going. And I was like, I don't have anything else to add. I massively agree with everything you said. And before we cut off uh, to the next section, I just want to say to everyone that, um, if you want someone amazing to follow on social media, Katie Sackhoff's one of my favorite people to follow. And, She's always very positive and always very honest about just, like, how she thinks and feels about things. And in regards to Star Wars, I mean, how incredible we got a role like this with an actress who's in her 40s. And it didn't feel like it had anything to do with age where it was, like, you know, too old or too young. It was just very, she's very capable and she could do what she can. And, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up, too. I thought that was really special. I love how basically this was, like, friggin', like, Boston Harbor bunch of fucking yardies and southies <laughs> everyone's everyone's like in the fucking yard like you know yeah. you know dropping their eyes and like wearing cable knit sweaters and it's it, but we also had the calamari which is like such a lame ass name for him the mon calamari like we have them and so you you react a bit because you know akbar but oh. we didn't which i, I think that which we we've talked about previously is like there was no crowbarring in of any Akbar references or it's a trap or anything like that. It was like, you're on this planet. Here's these people. Obviously, it's an aquatic, like Rachel was saying, it's a hobbit town. So you're going to have these people who look like Admiral Akbar mm-hmm. in there. So we're not, and, and Ken, you've mentioned this before, we're not crowbarring stuff in. We're making this very organic and very realistic and very much like, hey, they're in an aquatic town. Of course you're going to have these people here. But we're not going to – like. there's no in-jokes. There's no references, which I really appreciate because, you know, we've seen that in the prequels and we've seen that in the sequel trilogy too. Yeah. And I just want to say too because we, we got, again, on great tangents. But <laughs> I mean it's, the, it's no Flaming Cheetos. No. Tangent, but, you know, come on. <laughs> it's not a Flaming Cheeto. I just want to reemphasize. It almost falls out of his chair. <laughs> I want to reemphasize the, uh, just the uh, bar – that Bryce Dallas Howard set for any directing going forward. It it really was a perfectly executed episode from start to finish. Literally begins with a Apollo 13 homage, which is fucking crazy and awesome. And it's, again, that's something that is 100% shoehorned in. But it's, like, so well done that people yeah. are just, like, in awe of it, right? I hope but, I hope we really see her direct another episode this year. She, I was, don't I don't want her to direct another episode. I want her to go direct a movie. Well, no, no, no. no. Get, I mean, the episodes are done. Shit. The episodes are done now. So yeah. I mean, like, I'm hoping because, like we said, we like we there's a lot of TBDs and TBAs on Wikipedia. They didn't want to reveal a lot. Obviously, we got Filoni's directing episode five, and we have you know we know Robert Rodriguez is on the horizon. I would love to see her do at least one more. Yeah, I, I totally. And I, go honestly, watch Gallery on Disney Plus. She is amazing on Gallery. She adds so much to like 
learning about Mando, even though she did one episode, she like, and that was one of the cool things, sorry for the tangent on this, but it's like, you see all these directors had a little bit, like a little piece in every episode. Like there, there was a, a very collaborative effort. And it's a very cool series. Rachel, did you watch the gallery Mandalorian on Disney Plus? Like the making of behind the scenes series? I don't. I should because should. they're very quick. It's neat, but I haven't watched it. So okay. they're great. I, I mean, just again, tangent Palooza. But the reason why they're <laughs> great. A great name for the episode. They're tangible. Yeah. No, they're they're just they're they're great. There's no real reasoning to it, but. I always say uh, when it comes to television, episodic television, right, that you're better off with one one like person, one vision, one showrunner that has this idea. And usually when shows drop off is when that creative talent like leaves. Right. So Favreau and Filoni have created this world, this amazing world that, you know, has kind of endless possibilities. And they're bringing in creators like Bryce Dallas Howard is not a seasoned director. Her dad is obviously, but this is, I think this was her first directing credits. I don't know if I, that could be correct. Right. So, you know, the, the talent that they're getting it, they're, they're just adding to it. They're just adding to Favreau and Filoni's uh, vision, adding, not doing, not saying, Oh, well, I'm going to take this, what you've written down and I'm going to translate this for you. They're adding their own spin. Each episode feels different. Like we have, you know, a uh, horror episode last year or last week. Last year, we got a um, like dirty dozen uh, prison break episode. Right. Like it's insane that the the talent that, that they're getting, like, I can't wait to see what a Robert Rodriguez Star Wars episode looks like. Like that is like keeping me up at night because so I want to see it. Right? So many like, guns. Gonna, I can't wait. It's gonna, it's gonna be on a shoestring budget. Like I'm so excited for that. Like I just I Danny Trejo that. is gonna be in it. Oh he fucking better be. Can I ask you guys something? Yeah. Go. Why do you yeah. talk so much? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Alright, I was looking at the director credits um a couple days ago on IMDB and you're right, I saw that a lot of T B D. Uh, we do know that this episode coming out on Friday is going to be of Carl Weathers directing. That's Carl right. Weathers directing. And the episode after that is directed by Dave Filoni. What that signaled to me, though, is that we're most likely not going to see Ashoka in this next episode. It's going to be the episode after. Oh, and I, I did not strong... think she was showing up. Yeah. Next episode. I have, a, I have a strong feeling this next episode coming up is going to be another kind of episodic romp similar to like the second episode we had with like the ice spiders. Mm-hmm. Are you guys ready for that? Like kind of like a random kind of diversion episode. I'm so thinking that I, this is going to be, Oh, go Rachel. Oh, after you, I was please. Gonna say, so I actually like when they do that kind of stuff. I've, ac- yes. I've gotten into convert. I've gotten into like, I wouldn't really call them like debates or anything with people, but I've had conversations with people. Cause I know people who don't like, who've been like, Oh, I hate when they have those like in between episodes together, but like I love it because it's it's he's on an adventure going to these ridiculous places. It's not smooth sailing for him. He's not just gonna he's not just gonna get from point A to point B without like running into some stuff. And I don't know, like I like it. I think it breaks up the episodes well with like introducing us to character development and different people and then like but like there's still the main story going on. I don't know. I, I like when they do that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, so. like some people refer to them as like filler episodes, but I don't think I don't think they're filler episodes. Like specifically, Listen, I watch anime. I know what a filler episode. Oh, I know. Is. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> for sure. You could say that most of Dragon Ball Z is a filler episode. Yeah. yeah no, that is a I know. fact. That's my joke that I will always say. My here, here's here's my Dragon Ball Z joke. I'll, I'll do it real quick. Oh boy. Because there's always at the end of Dragon Ball Z is like is the narrator, right? I have to set up this joke. There's a narrator talking like example would be like, Can Goku defeat Frieza? Find out on next week's episode of Dragon Ball Z, right? So that would be it. What I'm, is I'm Yamcha not... doing this episode? Yeah. So yeah. My, my, just my, proving my I've joke, seen this series, by the way. My joke would be at the end of the episode it'd be like only 10 minutes left until Cell defeats Goku. Tune in next time. And then at the end of the next episode, it would be only 20 minutes left. Wait, what, <laughs> what do you mean? You told me it was 10 minutes. Fuck. <laughs> uh, no. I mean, that's, it's 100% true, by the way. Yeah, but I, I, I loved Dragon Ball Z when I was here. But... Again, the filler episodes, they, I, they are they don't feel like filler episodes to me. They always lead to something, right? And whether that's called, like, the, the whole episode, the, tr- the, the passenger, was literally the voyage from Tatooine, I believe, to Trask. So that's but you just also, the But you also have to remember that the jailbreak episode ties heavily into yeah. that because Filoni and the other pilot, they, all, they mentioned that Oh, you spared this pilot, and I it took me uh, something Davin or something like that, like Corporal Davin or something like that. And I was like, "Who is that?" And I'm like, "That's right, he spared the guy on the prison ship," and that plays into it. And Filoni was the pilot who lit up, you know, the guys from the guy from Sons of Anarchy's, uh, you know, his hideout. So it's like, yeah, it's like okay, There's this no- all makes sense. Yeah, there's no filler on the show. Everything is meticulously planned out. So, Ken, what you said is, do you think we're going to get another romp next episode? Yes. And I do believe that that's going to be the return of Carl Weathers' character. and Carl uh, Weathers directing Carl Weathers. Yeah. (laughs) Combat Carl is not going to take this, guys. He's going to direct himself. (laughs) A dream come true. I'm so excited for that. I can't wait. But let, I, let's, that episode let's, that episode needs to end with just all of the credits are just Carl Weathers. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me why so. Director of photography, Carl Weathers. No, I don't even want that. Caterer. I just want to add Carl, Carl, Carl Weathers. I just want to see every one of those amazing stills, just random Carl Weathers images yes. from the movie season. It's like, here's Carl Weathers and Rocky. Here's Carl Weathers and Action Jackson. Here's Carl Weathers in Predator. Like, here's Carl Weathers in Happy Gilmore. And you're just like, mm, with the Mando music. And you're like, yep, yeah, perfect. Wonderful. Uh, well, and- moving on to our next segment, which is Stop Baby Yoda Time. Hopefully Lucas throws in uh, a cool... Uh, Cool jingle there, too. Yeah, which I'll probably have to sing in my car. Yeah, we're going to just keep putting him on the spot. Uh, Yeah, so this segment is basically looking at our adorable child, uh, just catching up on him and uh, just how we're feeling, uh, maybe his cuteness level in uh, in this particular episode. I'm going to start with Rachel. Um, How did you feel 
about uh, Mr. Baby Yoda in this episode. Um, did he add to the plot? Did he um, did he take you out of it at all? And I mean, give me like a, a cuteness uh, level for you. Listen, Baby Yoda's cuteness is at minimum two hundred percent at all times. Um, <laughs> at minimum. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I have to say, when Fish Dude hit him into the pit, I audibly gasped. And I was like, how dare you? That's oh, the baby. Um, but I I just love what he because everything's about him. But he's just he's just a baby. Like mm-hmm. ultimately he's just a baby. He has, you know, he has cool force powers, but he's just a baby. And so I love that like he's always kind of just doing stuff. And I, I love that about him. Like he's not here, he is the plot. But he's a baby. He's not here to like have deep discussions with Mando about like where they need to go next. Like he's doing baby stuff, being cute. Um, and I had this discussion recently as well uh, with my fiance, which is um, I love that he is starting to make more noises, like learning to talk. Mm-hmm. And so we are like. I wouldn't say he like he's a he's a plot device again he is the plot but like we are watching him grow which Mm -hmm. is always fascinating to me to see him like doing stuff and like he's figuring stuff out like a baby would and like I said he's making noises and I just anytime he has any kind of interactions with Mando like Mando on without a hesitation diving into the water after him and holding him and carrying him around I'm like oh it's the Dadalorian um. <laughs> would you know a t-shirt which shows up on my Twitter timeline not in fleets but in uh, my Twitter timeline yeah, yeah. Um, Ken I, yeah, I oh no him. go I was gonna say oh, yeah. no worries uh, Ken we we got a, a little sequel obviously from the previous episode we talked about in detail about the genocidal maniac that the, the child uh, revealed himself <laughs> to be, uh, or as the internet was freaking out a- about. Um, we saw that kind of evolve in this episode. So uh, if, I'd love you to briefly talk about what I'm trying to set up here and then uh, just your overall feelings of how you think they executed that at least. Yeah, so essentially what we saw is that once they landed on Trask, uh, Frog Lady was reunited with Frog Hubby. I guess it's safe to say that we can call him that. And they essentially go back to their little frog apartment, because frogs at Star Wars have apartments. And you come to find out that the eggs have indeed hatched, I imagine, because Frog Hubby, uh, you know, did what frog hubbies do. And um, over the course of the adventure that Mando has with Katie Sackhoff and the other Mandalorians, he leaves Baby Yoda with them. And what was really cute was seeing Baby Yoda interact with like this little tadpole baby. And, you know, it, it, we're talking earlier about how like this is what Star Wars is, how you could just kind of like feel the story going on. And all this stuff that's going on with Frog Lady, Frog Hubby and Baby Yoda is essentially nonverbal. And getting to see that take place, but you as a viewer can discern exactly what's going on and the motions that are being conveyed. I really like that. I thought that was really special. And I'll also second what Rachel said. When um, in the episode, Baby Yoda gets essentially um, attacked by this monster due to this fish dude. And I have to say, when that happened, I also gasped. 
And also, what a jerk Mando is for even trusting that guy. Because when they're in, like, the cantina thing, when it's a Quarren, uh, ladies and gentlemen, a Quarren who offers Mando passage and then betrays him, that scene, that's the only gripe out of this episode, that scene where the Quarren's like, hey, I could uh, take you to the other Mandalorians. If that dude had a mustache, he would have been twirling it. It was very... <laughs> 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 I, I, I have to... I, I have to say to that real quick. Um, I'm from, you know, I'm from West Virginia. Like, I'm from the South. If some dude with a Southern accent comes up and sits next to you and is like, I'll take you where you need to go, don't go with them. <laughs> don't do it. Do not go with them. I don't know. West Virginia was also the South, by the way, but you know. It's not. It's mountain. It's mountain folk, but. It's, it is. Folk. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I, loved, I loved seeing, I think, us seeing the child witness a child being born and seeing that the thing that he was eating could eventually become that. And I also had a question about they fertilized all the eggs in the, in the container. Mm -hmm. There was multiple still left. Careful. (laughs) I don't like to say it. It's joking. Jesus. I'm asking a question. There was only one baby. Takes time. There was only one baby in the in the cup. Is is that is that? Are we made to believe that out of all the eggs, that was the one that made it out? And I think they just was... don't all hatch at the same time. I think that's like. Oh, that that makes sense because I was seeing because we saw one hatch in the tube. Oh in, yeah. In, in the container, but then later they're playing with one of them in the cup, and you don't see the other ones. I want to know if that maybe is because that's the only one that was born. They said it was a dying race. So I wonder if that maybe is the oh. case and they only have one kid. I, that's just conjecture. But I'm just saying that <laughs> I, seeing seeing the child see the birth of their their child, I think that was just such a uh, – it was very emotional for me. Yeah. But But at the same time, like – you see him starting to develop like almost like a conscious like oh oh that became that because obviously he's seeing this stuff for the first time he's still learning right so i think he's gonna be more compassionate the only issue that i'm having is he's constantly put in danger where he's watching people (laughs) get murdered in front of him all the time and yes i audibly i audibly gasped as well not as loud as when the the fucking uh, troopers were beating the shit out of it in the first season. Goddamn Jason Sudeikis and uh, what's his name? Adam Pally. Adam Pally. Well, they met. The, they met their maker. They're dead to me. Well, they even literally Ted, died in the finale. Spoilers for anyone who didn't watch it. Even though Ted Lasso was probably one of the best things that happened in 2020. Thanks for writing the uh, review. <laughs> sorry, I, I was supposed to do that. No, that was my bad. You should have just volunteered. I, I should have. It was great. Uh, but yeah, sorry. It's a little tangent. And Bill, I'll. I'll Oh, you should because fun. I have I have I have a, a have, very uh, intense story to tell about this. So oh, I watched I watched this with a young Sophie Bodkin, and I was just like, "Ah, oh, this is going to be tough when he gets eaten." And I can tell you, as someone who's a father of someone who's very small who loves Baby Yoda, we bought a whole box of Baby Yoda cereal. Reminds me of when I bought the Batman cereal when I was a kid. 
Baby Yoda has cereal? Oh my god. She It has cereal with marshmallows in it, my friend. And the box is friggin' huge. Um, Baby Yoda has a eyeshadow palette as well. It's very Oh, pretty. don't tell. Don't, oh. don't mention that to my daughter. She's going to be like, she loves putting on makeup. I might mention that to her. Uh, just to make her happy. It's quarantine, guys. We can't do a lot. Also, uh, I I have to I have to interject real quick because uh, I did some quick googling. And Al, frog eggs hatch anywhere from three to twenty five days. So that could have just been the first one that hatched. Yeah. Thank you. Holding I, out hope I, for the frog people. That's, race. Holding out that's hope, brother. That's the kind of research <laughs> we need on this show. <laughs> um, Sophie, when Baby Yoda got knocked into the pool, then swallowed up audibly gasped and wept it was she was Aww, like no he didn't die it's baby Yoda. he can't die and i was just like as a father i'm like should i turn this off right now i'm like don't worry it's gonna i'm like you know it's gonna be okay right it's the whole show is based around him and she's like i know but it's so sad and she i could tell you for a little kid seeing that happen Tears, weeping, mm-hmm. scared, clutching my wife, who doesn't really care about the series, who then had to assure her it's going to be okay. It was That was an intense Baby Yoda moment. I My personal favorite Baby Yoda moment was when he was having some chowder because he's in friggin' Southie. And the calamari <laughs> jumped out on his face, and he was just like crying. And the mando and Mando is just basically like, "Stop don't with your food. food, just stop." Like food. every parent, just like, "Jesus Christ, what are you doing? Let me just stab this thing real quick. Stop it." Yeah. You know, I don't care if the food is trying to kill you. Stop playing with your food. That's like one time I was at like I was out with my daughter, and she was like choking on food or something. That my my in laws are all freaking out. I just like was so like t- dialed into what she needed to do. I'm just like leaned her head forward. She spit out the food. I'm just like, she's fine. Uh, and everyone's like, why are you so calm? I'm like, I've been home with her for seven months. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> it's just like, it's like such a parent reaction. It's just like, I'm not going to freak out. Just like, let me stab that calamari. You're good. Eat it. Here's, eat your chowder. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So it, it was it was very cool, and I, I love the fact we're seeing more audible Baby Yoda, and the whole running gag of him looking at other people eating, especially when um, Sasha Banks was eating, basically like that squid-like character, and then he ended up eating it, and we had the callback to like the tentacle hanging out. I thought it was a nice little moment there. That was pretty sweet. Um, I will end this segment by saying rest in peace to the greatest... Uh, car seat slash stroller of all time oh yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. God, yeah i wish i, I had um, to get another one of those. i was gonna say i feel like mando's too cheap to buy another one i don't know he's hoarding war droids in his his thing he doesn't throw stuff out maybe he can build something yeah but he paid a, a a calamari uh which is so weird for me to say he's an italian uh you said it in the most non-Italian way too. Like, I know. I like Calamari. a chicken. Pa- I like a chicken parmesan. Uh, the uh, the uh didn't. Oh God! He dropped Thank every you. word. <laughs> like, you. Yeah, like, that's the super Italian that like the word doesn't even make sense at this point. It's amazing. It, it's such a weird, weird culture. Um. Anyway, but 
it's if if he's paying them to uh, uh, fix the razor crest with uh, some cardboard boxes and some string, I don't think we're going to see another uh, highly advanced uh, uh, baby carriage uh, in the near future. It was it was fishnet and a whole bunch of luck. Yeah, seriously. Uh. I hate to say it because this is definitely like way too Star Wars. This is definitely my inner Star Wars nerd nerd kicking in. But considering that the next episode might be like a, you know, a side quest type episode. If it's just an episode of him properly getting the ship fixed, I'll be happy. Because at the end (laughs) of the episode, when he's flying, I was looking at my screen like, dude, what is this? Like what, what? What is this? It's like every angry father trying to fix it. Like son of a bitch, how does this piece go together? They're trying to build a crib, and you're just like, mother of God! And he turns to baby Yoda. He's like, he's like, I'm gonna take you home. It's gonna be a bumpy ride. I was like, I think you could afford a day of fixing whatever this is. Yeah, go back to uh, go back to Amy Sedaris and never <laughs> fix the ship. Jesus Christ. Also, I do want to say again, we're going to we're going to be on this uh, segment forever. Apparently, Uh, I think going forward, because now I've seen this multiple times, is for majority of the episodes, we are going to get this new trope of I have to go on a mission. Can you please watch my kid? Because. Every day of both Al and yeah, I's lives. Exactly. I <laughs> like, just fuck. I gotta work and so watch my kids. I love that. It's like, um, you know, he did it with Amy Sedaris. He did it with the Frog Lady. Like that's gonna be the new thing. It's because I have to stop putting this fucking kid in danger. I'm really good at it. So please save me for myself and protect this kid. Um, which is one of my favorite tropes. My second favorite trope. Actually, this is my that's my second favorite trope. My first favorite trope is I was a big fan of Smallville when I was uh, younger. Right. I don't know, Ken, were you a Smallville fan? Oh, totally. I somehow watched all ten seasons, which it blows me away to know that ten years of my life somehow went to that show. Rachel, yes. were you a Smallville fan? I did not. I did not. Watch okay, God so bless really you. quick, we're, you we're did the not same boat. miss we're same anything. Boat. <laughs> it was a fun show, but you, d- I, I have, I remember stuff from that show. And I probably have the cure for cancer in my brain somewhere, but it's being lodged behind Smallville memories <laughs> for some reason. A, only reason. Only reason I bring it up is the amount of times that Lex was conveniently pistol whipped so he couldn't see Clark in action is oh, yeah. astronomical. The it's amount like, of times that this man has been pistol whipped specifically so he doesn't see Clark be Superman he should have severe brain damage. Yeah, because so in the context of Smallville, uh, Lex Luthor and Clark Kent essentially like grow up together and are friends. And any time <laughs> a, a conflict happens, like Lex Luthor, and not just Lex Luthor, Lana and like other people, other friends of Clark Kent get knocked out and then wake up like, wow, what what I missed? What happened? And Clark's yes. like, oh, man, it's crazy. You missed a lot. Oh, man, I wasn't here, though. But it was crazy. <laughs> Guys, CTE is going to suck for you later in life. But, you know, at least Smallville's okay. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to have any memories going forward. I also uh, just, yeah. in my brain, confused Smallville and Roswell. I'm like, you guys totally missed the aliens. I'm like, wait a second. Wrong show. That was Roswell, I'm thinking but, of. But right around the same time. Yeah. Uh, to be the fair. The CW slash uh, WB, guys. <laughs> 
So, uh, final segment of our uh, Mandalorian section of the uh, podcast is, is this the way where we basically review the episode uh, in, uh, uh, we do it by parsecs on this show, so uh, zero to 12 parsecs, uh, zero being, uh, this was terrible, and 12 is like, oh my god, put this directly into my veins. Um, I do want to take this time as well to just talk about uh, some of the stuff we didn't get to cover. Uh, we, we talked about the introduction of these uh, new Mandalorians. We talked about the great Bosch cameo. We talked about briefly, um, you know, the future, uh, like what's going to happen the rest of the season. We're talking about uh, potentially seeing Ahsoka in a couple episodes. Um, things we didn't talk about were the, uh, again, amazing fight sequences. We briefly, briefly talked about that in, in the context of uh, Baby Yoda's almost demise. Uh, but let's talk about... Um, how we felt about the overall episode, where it ranks in the Mandalorian uh, lore at this point. Um, we'll start with Bill, so he can kind of set the context of what this is. But Bill, what what did you oh, think of the worst the Aris? decision you've made? Uh, the Eris. What did you think of this episode? Uh, what would you rate it? And maybe a favorite moment? I stuck because I mean, this is a great series. So to say, like, okay, we've had eleven episodes. What's in that like top five, you know, and lower five? I would say this is a top five episode for sure. Um, the action is amazing in this. I think it's like complete video game, run and gun, like. And what I also love about it is there's so much to be set up. We're not just set up for Ahsoka. We're set up for like, hey, like we might be this series. Maybe we're going to Mandalore. You know, maybe we're going to retake the throne here. Like that's kind of cool. But we're also dealing still reminding everyone like the Empire is still a thing. Just because they lost in Jedi doesn't mean they're done. Like this is fucking Hydra. It's like Hydra, but like, you know. With no Robert Redford. I mean, always a minus. If Robert Redford ended up at Star Wars, I would fucking lose it. Sorry. Just, you know, tangent, tangential right there. But anyway. Um, yeah. So, like, I love the fact the potential of where this episode can take us. And that's cool. And that's what I love about this series. It's like, remember, like, even when we had the, the episode on Tatooine from last year, like, we, there was mystery around it. Like, remember, there was like, oh, maybe who killed this person? Like, what's there's a mystery person here, and we kind of got that reveal in the the, the season premiere. So they they really do a great job of tying things together without making things just like super awkward or super forced. And uh, like I said, the action was awesome. I love the fact that it was like Mando like sticks to his guns the whole time. We're learning more about the the world of the Mandalorian. So we're just, we're going beyond, we're building more of a world beyond just like, okay, here's my mission. This is what I need to do. And uh, yeah, it was a thrilling, fun, big action episode, but never sacrifice the plot. Never sac like the small, like the overarching plot of this season, possibly what the series is going to be in maybe a year or two as well. So I think that was it was really well done. I want to see more Bryce Dallas Howard directed episodes. This was absolutely awesome. This was the way. Uh, your your rating in parsecs. Ooh, I'm going to go sir. ten out of twelve parsecs. 
Awesome. Oh, um, is that 12, 12? No, it's pretty high. Yeah, I, the only one I think for me that gets 12 out of 12 is going to be the finale of season one. Because to me, okay. I probably watched that episode 10 times. That's very fair. Uh, let's go to Rachel. With this episode, I, like Bill said, I thought the action was great. Like I said earlier, it reminded me of, like, some Power Rangers-esque stuff, which just, like, made me happy, like, watching them fight and stuff like that. Um, I, one of the things I have always loved and will continue to love about the show is that, like, Mando's our main character, and he's, you know, Dijin is a Mandalorian, and so he's a badass and he's a bounty hunter, but, like, it's not like he's this like martial arts expert and he gets like, he gets beat up a lot. Like he comes out cause yeah. he's got tricks and gadgets and he's smart, but like, so seeing him fight alongside these other bounty hunters who are really good fighters, it was like, he got shot the fuck up in this episode yeah. <laughs> and, on purpose. So, yeah, like, so it like, it kind of cracked me up to see like, him comparatively because again he gets banged he gets ganged up on he does always figure out a way to win but to see these people who do actually come in and just like kick everybody's ass it's like it's just funny to me like it was just funny to me to see that and then um you know like the uh one of the the homages because like al said they don't crowbar stuff in but i love that they keep making jokes about how bad stormtroopers are at shooting <laughs> yes it's, a, it's so good <laughs> and they keep making these jokes and like they're standing in the cockpit and the guy's talking to the other two guys and he's like we locked them into the cargo bay and it's just this ongoing joke that every that all of these like uh the grunts are all just incompetent <laughs> and i just i just love that yeah. um so it's really fun to see that and yeah, I don't know. I I just I greatly enjoyed the episode. I love the world building. I love the Baby Yoda stuff. Love the action. Love the um, the new side plot development. Uh, yeah, I'd give it. Uh, I say this is the way, and I give it uh eleven out of twelve. Solid. Nice. That's great. Um, Mr. Ken Grand Pierre. Yeah. Uh. This episode is definitely the way, and yeah, I have so much to say. I mean, what's really... Uh, it's interesting with how I take media in. I think because I'm a photographer, I have this innate thing where I react to visuals before a uh, spoken word and like plot, and I feel like when I take in movies and TV shows, I can forgive a lot of like plot things if the visuals are great. So when I watch something like this, where the plot and the acting and the writing is equally as great as the visuals, it's just like, it's like Christmas. And with this episode in particular, I feel like almost every frame was like desktop background worthy, where every shot, like my favorite shot is um, after the three, Mandal- the three new Mandalorians save our main Mandalorian. My favorite shot in the whole episode is like when they essentially blow up the ship that they're on and there's like the sunset and they fly into the air. It just looks so fucking cool. And yeah, I love how this episode was shot. The action was really great. Um, and another favorite thing of mine as well is how we touched on this a little bit before with um, Titus, ba- you know, Bosch and the um, other Imperials. But I love how that whole um, setup 
is so quick, but you get so much um, context for the Empire and where they are. You get that sense of devotion that these people have, but how they're not all hyper-competent. You get, like, you know, a sense of hierarchy. Even though Moff Gideon comes up for, like, a second, his presence, I mean, that's just, like, uh, Giancarlo Espinito, like, how you see him on screen, and it's like, that dude commands presence even in a hologram. And, I mean, we talked spoilers before. I mean, if you didn't watch the whole episode, I don't know how you're listening to this, but the way that uh, Mr. Bosch kills himself with, like, the little electric pill, you know, it's so reminiscent of, like, cyanide capsules in World War II. And, obviously, the Imperials were originally inspired from Nazis. It's, it's, it's such a great, nice callback that, yeah, I love seeing that again. And, yeah, I would give this episode... I want to say 9 out of 12 parsecs, only because uh, I think I gave the first episode 10, and I think that's still my benchmark. Like, I still like the premiere more, but this one was great, where it was 35 minutes, and it didn't feel like, it didn't feel as though that was a bad thing. So, yeah, I really love this episode, too. I mean, I'll I'll try to be as quick as humanly possible with this one, but uh, I... I just wanted to say that this is everything that I wanted in a Mandalorian episode. I've been saying it for a few episodes. We want to get to the dark saber. We want to see more Mandalorians. This is, this is exactly what we want. This is what fans have wanted. And uh, I'm going to speak for every fan ever and say that this episode was absolutely fucking perfect. It did everything it needed to do. Uh, we got the introduction of three badass Mandalorians about to, uh, 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 in a, in a plot to take back Mandalore. Uh, we have this whole plot, this whole separate plot uh, that we've been discussing briefly about what has happened to Mandalore since uh, since Mando uh, left, right? So we're going to see that. We're going to see what is happening with Moff Gideon, who doesn't seem like he's going to be a, like one and done at the end of the season. It seems like we are leading to something, as Bill said. We might get like a battle for Mandalore, which would be fucking awesome. On top of that, they introduce the concept, the idea of Ahsoka in live action, which is insane. And we're so excited to see this. Uh, again, we've, we've said a million times that it's perfectly casted and we can't wait to see. Literally uh, on the act- first episode. Literally on the first episode of this, of this show. Um, so I, 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 can't, I can't give this, sh- uh, this episode any less than a 12 out of 12 part sex. It had everything. It had the cinematography. It had the action set pieces. It had cute Baby Yoda moments, Baby Yoda in danger, Baby Yoda learning to grow, Mando being a better dad, uh, the introduction of these Mandalorians, fucking another strong, badass female Star Wars character introduction. You got Bosch. You got a fucking nonsense stormtroopers. You got Mando sacrificing himself again. There was so much to love in this episode. Um, plus, you got great comedy, too, with the fucking Razor Crest and uh, the Calamari. Like, everything was in this episode. And again, Ken, you mentioned this can't be ranked higher uh, than the, the premiere. I love that premiere, but the reason I love it is Timothy Oliphant. You take him out of the equation, this is a m- much better episode. It's a much better episode. The first episode is goddamn filler. It is. It's a hundred percent outside of, uh, outside of the, 
Oh no! I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Just, I was just true. I was just saying how great Timmy the Elephant is. He's he. We said it on the podcast that you put anyone else in that role, you don't get the same experience, right? I love that episode because of Timmy the Elephant. I love this episode because of everything. Twelve out of twelve parsecs for me. Honest of takes. Yeah, I, it's a. This is a top. This is a top three Mando episode. This is a, ba- this is a banger and a bop. It's a banger and a pop. Before we end, I'm curious. Are there any Mando episodes from, like, last season included that you guys didn't like? Because funnily enough for me, I think uh, in how I experienced the show and what, like, the way I considered the context as I was watching it is that even though it's, like, you know, episode, 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 I think I always kind of felt it was, like, all part of a larger piece. So it was sometimes hard for me to uh, judge individual episodes in a way where I could be like, I hate this one. But I do find myself realizing I love some more than others. So, yeah, I wonder if there were any weak episodes for you with, like, last season. Yeah, for t- me... T- t- oh, sorry. Nope. <laughs> for me, I can't think of a single episode that I didn't like. I see what you're saying about, like, obviously there's ones that I like more than others. But... I just find myself at the end of the ep- at the end of every single episode. I feel so excited for what's going to happen next. I have never been like, man, that was a letdown. I don't even want to fucking watch next week. Like, <laughs> I have always felt like so excited every single week. So, yeah, I'm. I'm I feel like, like I know pretty easy to please those. <laughs> I know Bill's answer. Yeah. It's episode. It's s- it's episode five from Tatooine with uh, Bobby Cannavale's song, the gun, the gunslinger. <laughs> the gunslinger. It's just like well, that episode blew. All right, next week will be better. I never yeah, was like. I-, I never was like. Ah, you know what? Fuck this show. I was never like that. But like, it does tie into greater things, which is which is great. But it's just like they're like that character just killed so much for me. I was just like, oh man, when is this guy gonna get a blaster to the face because he kind of needs it because he's not good and uh it's funny because i i agree with both of you like i agree with both of you because bill i understand that is if if we're talking and like the critical and like uh the critical consensus that is the worst reviewed episode but at the same time so many people hate the prison break episode I was going to say, that episode has a 7.6 on IMDb, meaning that the worst episode yeah. is still a highly rated episode. Like, <laughs> That's even amazing. the worst Mandalorian episode is still better than most things. Like, think about that. Um, and that, that doesn't even feel like a filler episode to me, because um, you get Ming-Na Wang. Ming-Na-Wang. Thank you, ming Nam Wen. Who we've interviewed on the side. Yes, it's okay. Correct. Um, and also, she is in every franchise ever and is amazing in all of them. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Mulan, she's fucking the best. You get her character. You get the tease for potential Boba Fett. Like, there's no wasted episode in this series. And I think that's what's so great about it. Uh, one of the many reasons it's great, obviously, besides everything else. Like, like we could... We can blow the show all day because of just how well executed it is and how we were just kind of abused for the last few years uh, in different ways uh, as Star Wars fans in terms of the, the, the 
products that have been brought out and the way they were brought out and things like that. We talked about in length about how we felt about the the newest trilogy and the sequel spin-off prequel films, right? So they just we feel that this show is just it's so well uh thought out and it feels like they had actual time to develop it. Um, so even the worst episode is still uh, worth watching, A, and B, leads to the next one. And I think that's what you need in an episodic television. Yeah, I would agree with that. Funnily enough, I think my least favorite episode, because I was trying to think about it while you guys were talking. I think my least favorite episode, I want to say it takes place right after or before the sanctuary episode i can't remember but it was the episode where no it's right before because he has the it's when he gets his best car armor the episode where he uh delivers the child and realizes that he doesn't want to um actually let bad things happen to him and he goes back to him the way that episode is set up is it's weirdly too similar to the first episode to me and like the shots and the setup. It's supposed to be a contrast, obviously. But yeah, I remember feel like watching that episode and feeling like this is kind of lacking until the very end where the Mandalorians like come out of nowhere and save them. And it's like yeah. jetpacks everywhere. I was like, OK, that's pretty. The last five minutes here is pretty fucking awesome. But. And, that's, <laughs> and that's why it's one of the highest rated episodes of the series. Yeah. Is it? It's a 9.1 tied for wow. second. Tied for second in terms of the most uh, well-reviewed of season one. That's uh, so funny. Wow. It's one of the... And again, it's that last... It, that build-up to the, that that moment. Because I, I remember... That's three episodes in. We have to remember going back. That first episode... It, it's very good in setting up what the show is. But at the same time, a lot of people were like... All right, all right. The finale, the, the 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 ending of it was okay. This is this is different. It's Baby Yoda. The second episode I remember not being super strong. The third episode when that scene happens, they're like, "Oh, this is the show." Fuck yes, sign me up. Flips table like I'm in. So that's that is the kind of that that episode that you say that you're not a super fan of is probably the one that turned you into a fanatic of the show. Cause it did for me. I know personally that that was the one that, that did it. And I'm thinking that's the reason it's highly rated. That makes sense. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of because that's the episode <laughs> that really kind of sets the tone for what the show could be. I you think gotta- what made me a really big fan was actually, uh, God, I can't remember his name now. He played the small alien. Crap. Uh, oh, shit. Oh, uh, n- uh, uh, Nick, uh, Nick, Nick Nolte. Nick, Nick Nolte, Nolte, yeah. I love that little alien, dude. He's great. He's great. That's right. That's I have what, spoken. That's what, I have spoken. That's what 50 years of drinking and smoking every day will get you, that voice. <laughs> Holy shit, bro. It's like, it's just I'm like I'm going to just gargle with asphalt every day. Here's my voice. Um but uh, guys, uh, we're now going to move into. I, I didn't sing it last week, but I'll do it this week. Music, 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 music in a time of quarantine. So it's like the Cantina song, but my <laughs> shitty version of it. Um, yeah. 
Uh, wow, that's the first time you shit on your own interpretation. Like I'm usually the one that I mean, says, I God. shit on my own stuff all the time. So this is just <laughs> the first time in podcast form we're it's talking about time. my own, you know, my own mental health issues I have. But guys. So this basically, this segment is, you know, music, you know, it's a song, an album, a band we're recommending that you're listening right now uh, during quarantine that's kind of giving you a little bit of uh, solace and hope. So Rachel, let's start with you, because all of a sudden I've taken over hosting this podcast. <laughs> like a jerk. Like oh. a jerk. <laughs> so, um, I wouldn't say uh, it gives me solace and hope. It is a song that I've definitely been listening to a lot over quarantine. Um, so I, uh, well, Ken doesn't know this, but Al, Al and Bill do, I'm sure. Um, I'm a big, like, K-pop and J-pop fan because um, I'm a big nerd. And <laughs> so I listen to, like, J-pop, K-pop, C-pop, and I've recently gotten into uh, Mongolian throat singing. What? And that is Mongolia, amazing. There is a there is a what? band. <laughs> I know. Listen. So there's a band called The Who, but it's spelled H U, and they are a Mongolian throat singing metal band. Wait a second. I know them. They've played. Yeah. They played to the U. I think they played the Stone Pony. <laughs> yeah, they've been they've been to the U S. And but they're a Mongolian throat singing metal band, and every one of their songs makes me want to go on a Viking ship and like run into battle. And it's just such like it's just such good pump up music. <laughs> and this was and, this was this is the best music choice <laughs> out of the 35 weeks we've done music just like guys i picked this mongolian throat music band who makes me want to become a viking warrior and run into yes. battle that yep end the podcast and... now end the soul series we don't need to go further well all y'all should listen to the band but the song that i picked is uh it's called wolf totem as it should be and <laughs> That should be the name of the band. Yeah. <laughs> but you should definitely listen to it. Al, you're talking about how you need some more music. You should check out <laughs> this Mongolian throat singing because it's legit. It's so I mean, good. I, ha- I have to at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's fucking my, amazing. That's my song. Oh, uh, fun fact. They also did a song for, uh, they sang on the, uh, the Jedi Fallen Order, the video game soundtrack. Oh, and I was gonna pick that song as my song from them, but I was like, I gotta go with Wolf Totem because that song is just like, if you're ready to go set some fires to some poor innocent peasant villages, that's the song you gotta listen yep. to. They were they were in our hometown of Asbury Park on September 27th of last year. Definitely not the first time they've played. Yeah, I don't. Oh, that's amazing. I wonder if we've interviewed them. No, we definitely haven't. We've come close, I think. If we have them, we like, Bill, if you get an interview with them, please. it's all you. It's all, like, it's <laughs> all so of you, dude. Excited. Okay, next time, yeah, next time they come around, man, like, you know, when, you know, literally the world is better, that yes. is all you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Sure, you can just do it now because I'm sure they're, they're bored as shit. Yeah. Not being able to do anything. <laughs> I could <can> ask. <laughs> Ken, what's your music pick? Taking the reins back. 
Yeah, sure. I've been uh, really loving, uh, over the course of uh, quarantine, I've been really into um, Fontaine's DC's second album, uh, A Hero's Death. Uh, For people who don't know, Fontaine's DC is a rock band from uh, Dublin, Ireland, who combine a sense of, like, poetry and spoken word into these, like, insane post-punk and really thrashy guitars and drums. And... uh, yeah, I've been obsessed with the title track of their second album called A Hero's Death. And I highly recommend anyone check it out. It feels very timely in regards to what we're going through because the song's essentially about, you know, re- remembering that there are brighter days ahead. But there's like this insane maelstrom of like guitars and like drums bashing about. And yeah, that's a really good song. Um, awesome! I think Thank we you shot sir. Fontaine's DC in Canada. I want to say for some reason. Wow! Yes, we have a we have a Canadian photographer. Uh, I'm going to find I, out that I knew. Oh wow! Yeah, they're pretty uh, sick. I will I will go as if Bill does some some heavy not, research. If it's not Al, I don't know who any of the website photographers are. Oh <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate that. Uh, Rachel, I'm I, like, I this is shot by so and so, and I'm like that's not Al. I don't know who it is. <laughs> Rachel, I, I I highly recommend uh, following Ken post post this. Uh, Ken is also a, uh, a beloved is is the word that I will use beloved New York City music photographer. Oh uh, shucks! Listen, I said this I said this to Bill the other day because he was like, "Oh man, Ken was great on the podcast." I was like, "Yeah, I knew that he would be," but at the same time, I I specifically said, "I'm like Ken is the the guy that." everyone in new york city knows and only has good things to say like everyone's friends with ken oh you it's such a it's it's such a i will i will uh creepily follow you on the social medias oh it's it's a good follow (laughs) i like to be creepily followed it's actually my preferred state of being if i'm being honest (laughs) he he will plug them at the end so that will will be beneficial um my pick is uh the most new jersey thing that's ever happened in the history of new jersey absolutely is yeah, so uh, one of my favorite bands uh, who I, I've been covering on the Pop Break since the, their inception is uh, Bleachers, Jack Antonoff's uh, latest project post-Fun. It was kind of during Fun, but really post uh, the band Fun. If you never heard of like We Are Young, that's the band Fun. Yeah, you could you uh, could forget them if you didn't. If you didn't. <laughs> yes, that too. Um, uh, but Jack Antonoff, uh, who is uh, from uh, North Jersey, um, has never let New Jersey out of his roots in terms of uh, his musical taste and style. Uh, Bleachers is, is basically a love letter to New Jersey music. And, and he said it in our, one of the first interviews that we had that one of, one of the first interviews I did for the popbreak.com was an interview with him right before he, right after he went on stage at uh, governor's ball in New York. Um, it's Bleachers is, is such a New Jersey uh, sound very Springsteen inspired and, and, and uh, anyone else who really came from Jersey, but Springsteen is a, is a huge influence to, to his sound. So it was incredible to see uh, him release uh, a new song from his upcoming album uh, featuring Bruce Springsteen, uh, which is amazing. Uh, the song is called Chinatown. The oh. video is pretty phenomenal. There's a great description of it um that uh, like from the statement that that he posted basically saying that the, the video starts it starts in new york, new york city and you travel into new jersey and uh we've covered it a few times for 
the pop break is Jack has his own music festival at the Asbury Park, uh, uh, the Stone Pony in Asbury Park called Shadow of the City, which is literally New Jersey. Uh, but uh, the one quote I will say about his uh, his partnership with Bruce on this song was, it's the honor of a lifetime to be joined by him. He's the artist who showed me that the sound of the place I am from has value and that there is a spirit here that needs to be taken all over the world. Man, uh, reading that really hit me, um, especially just, you know, what, two weeks after Bruce released his uh, phenomenal album, uh, Letter to You. This song is fantastic. Uh, he released two tracks, um, Chinatown and 45. Um, they, they said that they, they kind of uh, uh, are both uh, kind of like the same story, just from two different perspectives. But Chinatown is the video end song with Bruce Springsteen. Um, it's so fitting. And it was like, why hasn't Springsteen been on a bleachers track before? Like, I'd love him to just go remix every song that Jack has come out with thus far. Um, so yeah, definitely check out Chinatown, but also if you're just doing like a deep dive into bleachers, his first two albums are absolutely incredible. You can, you can find things like I want to get better, which is a big, uh, you know, alt radio hit. But my favorite, one of my favorite songs ever, let alone Bleachers, is, is "Don't Take the Money." And there's a, f- I think I actually mentioned on this podcast before, uh, there is an amazing live album that he did from the Stone Pony, and he had special guests Lord and Carly Rae Jemsen. Lord uh, does basically a like stripped down version of "Don't Take the Money," which is like literally gives me chills. Uh, so I, I would highly recommend uh, checking out. All the things I just mentioned uh, surrounding former guest uh, Kelly McGovern was at that show and actually she was at the show. passed out. And yes. Jack Antonoff helped, uh, you know, giving her water and revived her live on MTV. <laughs> so, yep. wow. uh, you know, I am not a, like a- I am not a Bleachers fan. I am just like they're fine. You know, I'm very happy that Jack Antonoff has done interviews with us on the site. I've never been like I always thought he was trying a little bit to be a little Springsteen, but like. Honestly, listening to Chinatown as someone who's not a huge fan, I was just like, wow, this is like Tunnel of Love era Bruce. Like, this is like that late 80s, early 90s Bruce that was very different and that was like very heartfelt and emotional. And I was like, wow, this is just – and watching the video, living in New Jersey my whole life, you're just sitting there like, Jesus, this is like I, – I feel seen in a lot of ways. Yeah. And um, it's just an amazing song. Like it's and really like, it, it's such a great song, especially from the, there's certain things like if you're from certain regions of the, of the the world, like sometimes a song just hits you because it feels like a hometown song, and this is definitely one of those. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Bill, you might not be a big Bleachers fan, but I for one am just happy that Al didn't mention Coldplay because I would have had to tap out. Hey, <laughs> he hasn't mentioned them on this podcast yet. It's Phoenix, like all the time. <laughs> Ken, they, like, they don't. You know they don't get it. You'll, you'll, you'll hate me then. I'm also quite a Coldplay apologist, but I, Listen, but I, I like one Coldplay record, and that was that. <laughs> that was that first one. Rush of Blood to the Head was pretty good. After that, I'm oh, like, Rush of Blood to Head's classic. That's oh sure, one. yeah, but I mean, after that, I kind of was like, eh, I'm good. But I do, I do love, I do love Bleachers, so I'm with oh, you. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad. Bleachers you are pretty rad. <laughs> uh, I just want to mention, by the way, uh, that I looked up the video for that Wolf Totem song that uh, Rachel brought up, <laughs> and 
like as as we've been talking, like it's been like a like a fifteen second preview, like running, and it's like it's a super epic video. There's like battles and shit. Right? Doesn't it? Isn't it awesome? Like it's you're so awesome. Be so ready. <laughs> I want to just bring up too, but like it has forty three million views. Yeah, <laughs> dude, they're they're very popular. Very popular. They're very viral. Like, they they like sold like every time they play Asbury, they 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 sell the hell out. That's amazing. Uh, it's a Mongolian Bill. throat band, man, and they're killing it. <laughs> yeah. Bill, you are uh, the last up. Oh, well, uh, thank God that Bleachers came out with that song because I can actually use my pick this week because Al's not going to use it. Son and, of a bitch. And that <laughs> is a band that, a group, I should say, we have talked about many a time on this podcast, and that is none other than the almighty Run the Jewels. Their new song, No Save Point, from the cyberpunk video game, Guys, like, I'm not even going to spend that much time on it. This song is just great. It is the perfect, like, video game type song. It is big. It is loud. It is fun. It's intense. I love Run the Jewels so much. We did a whole podcast about their last record um, a few months ago. I I just can't get enough of this. And if you are a Run the Jewels fan, uh, no save point. It's just, don't, you don't even have to listen to it just to be, like, add it to your Spotify. You're going to love it. It's so good. I've been uh, re-listening to their most recent album uh, ever since the election ended. And, God, that song um, Just with Pharrell and Zach Della Rocha, I mean, God, that needs to be a single. That's such an amazing truck. Yeah. Uh, I also love, is it Walking in the Snow? Fuck. Yes. That whole album was amazing. I was running to that album uh, when I was in peak physical pandemic form. I was like, we get it, Al. You're in shape. You have to remind us often. I was in shape. I am not anymore. Um, That, yeah, that was... He gained uh, three pounds, people. I'm sorry. Not not true. Um, We call it it the COVID-19. Ah! 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 I like that. Um, but yeah, um, this was amazing guys. I, I, again, I, I love doing this podcast, uh, with Bill because it's, it's provided like a weekly dose of sanity therapy is more, more, more the case, but, uh, it's just great having you both on, uh, Rachel haven't had you on in 30 episodes, which is insane that we're still fucking doing this. 30 episodes later. Uh, We're going to actually go into next year and do this. This It's even weirder. It's crazy. Yeah, and Ken, having you uh, having you on for the, the these Mando episodes, don't don't think that uh, you won't be back in future installments post Mando. Uh, but yeah, um, that's this episode. We're gonna just end with a, a couple quick plugs. Uh, Rachel, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on social media at Rachel Kinesis. Awesome. No, nope, that's uh, not the only place people can find you. You got to put over your other other stuff you do. Oh yeah. So well, so it's complicated because we're on a break right now. But I do an anime podcast. It's called Animu. You can find it at Animu Podcast. Um, we are on a break because my co-host is uh, she recently started going back to school while she's working. Um, so once she kind of gets situated, uh, hopefully we will be able to resume. Um, but she also has a son who is, you know, doing the COVID time homeschooling. So she's kind of really busy right now. So, um, I think this will hopefully resume that (laughs) The first episode with two guests who have their own podcast segue. Ken, where can people find you? Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, people could find me on Instagram and Twitter at Konami Photo. I like doing this every week because it's helpful, but uh, that is K-E-N-A-M-I Photo, spelt the American way. And um, I also have a podcast called The New Exchange, which is essentially interviews with creatives from all walks of life. Uh, the first season just ended today, so season two will be starting, fe- I want to say February of 2021. But yeah, if you're listening to this and you have no idea what my podcast is, you can go and listen to the whole first season now. It's awesome. Excellent. Uh, Bill, can you please tell people that this season's going to end at some point and season two is going to start in February? Because that sounds like a great break. Uh, Bill, where, where can where can oh, So much social stuff we have to talk about. Okay, for me personally, at BodkinWrites, W-R-I-T-E-S, where you'll see me like tweeting my own stuff from the pop break, talking about wrestling, uh, a little less political stuff now the election is over. Um, question mark? Question mark? <laughs> I'm not constantly dreading the world. Um but most importantly, every day I want you to check out thepopbreak.com. We have great stuff on uh, movies, music, television, comic books, pro wrestling, anime, and uh, starting in December, digital trends. Um, check us out on Twitter at popbreak.com, all spelled out, forward slash popbreak.com, all spelled out on Facebook, at the pop break on Instagram. Of course, you could check out this podcast, Socially Distanced, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, SoundCloud, no, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. You could also check out the Pop Break TV stream on those same platforms. You can also find the Breakcast on Spotify. Nope, damn it, on SoundCloud. I keep the S's keep confusing me, guys. I'm sorry. SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, and uh, yeah, that is basically what we are doing right now. Uh, yeah, that's it. You're very good at take twos, Bill. Yeah, it's <laughs> literally my entire repeat. I was like, <laughs> welcome to my entire life. Um, yeah, and um, I'm also a regular contributor on the Bob Culture podcast where I basically just talk wrestling. Excellent. Uh, I am at Al Manorino on Instagram and Twitter. Follow those. Uh, I don't. I don't know why, but do it. You should. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and also, really and also, if you, like Al was saying, we are going to be concluding the yeah, first yeah. season of this podcast in the middle of December. With the, um, we're going to do a Mandalorian like the finale episode, which I'm sure Ken will mm-hmm. be a part of, hopefully. And um, we're also probably um, I haven't talked to this with Al yet, but we'll probably do like a very short year end episode like just talking about some of our favorite things we might even call it our favorite things episode um just yeah. to be like a nice little bow on top of everything next week uh we have some guests coming up they're gonna be kind of cool we're hoping you can check out but yeah we'll be returning you know probably mid-january or so we're still working on the return date for season two yeah. we'll 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 give we'll provide that towards the end of season one really? when we actually have discussed it <laughs> uh but yeah that's uh, that's gonna do it for this episode of socially distance colon mando and music uh have a great one we'll see you next week Bye.